Welcome in to the Fun Astrology Podcast for Mercury Turns Direct Day, Thursday, February 3rd. And we have something else that we're going to be doing today, and that is putting the Fun Astrology 101 course back on sale. So if you'll check the website, if you're interested in getting into the 101 course, just check the website, funastrology.com, and you will see the current offer of what we're going to do to celebrate Mercury going back direct. Yay! So the official time on that in the Eastern Time Zone tonight it will be 11.12 p.m. Mercury in Capricorn will be at 24 degrees, 22 minutes when it changes direction and starts going direct. Also, we've talked about this a number of times when a planet slows down either to go into retrograde or in this case come out of retrograde and go back direct. It is always strongest at these points of the transition. So think of all the mercurial things that we've been talking about all week, literally. But I want to throw another element into this because we have a sign-based sextile between Capricorn and Pisces, which is where the other big three planets are, the Moon, Neptune, and Jupiter. So Mercury at 24 in Capricorn would be closest to Neptune at 21 in Pisces, also now the moon, because when it turns direct, the moon will be at 23 degrees. So you've really got the sextile going on there, not exact, but very close between Mercury and Neptune and the moon. Now, the moon conjoined Neptune. So the moon and Neptune sitting right on top of each other just before 7 p.m. tonight and then Mercury turns direct just after 11 p.m. tonight, Eastern Time, that, to me, just has written all over it that we have this Capricornian ability to rebuild a new solid foundation for, let's say, even the whole next Mercurial cycle. So Mercury's next retrograde will be May 10th. So between now and May 10th, if we play this card, I think, that we're being given, that we could set this hyper-spiritual intention around this playful, if you will, sextile aspect between Mercury in Capricorn and Neptune and the Moon in Pisces. So we could go both ways on that Moon-Neptune. That could trigger the dark side of Neptune, but let's here let it trigger the positive side of Neptune by intention. In other words, we're going to say we are picking this apart to the detail of seeing that Mercury was giving us the ability to reshape Capricorn, our thoughts and our structures. The Moon and Neptune, like we talked about yesterday, gives us this hypersensitivity to our spiritual connection. What's the downside? Well, one is that we would resist the Capricornian side. In other words, we would resist the change. So Mercury would have to pound it out of us. And remember, who rules Capricorn? Lord Karma, right? A.K.A. Saturn. The other side of what could go wrong with this could be that we fall into the illusion-delusion side of Neptune instead of the spiritual connection side. Remember, at its core, Liz Green wrote about this in her book about Neptune. It is about redemption of our reconnection to our spiritual source. If you follow that side of Neptune, all the other themes stack in around that it is moving us toward a reconnection of the very source that we came from. 
It's a beautiful, beautiful picture. So that little subtlety is hidden within this Mercury stationing direct. So not only is it a time to celebrate Mercury is out of retrograde until May, yay, but also we have this really cool subtle element that we can pick up on if we want to set that as an intention for the next cycle. Now, this kind of parlays into this negative review that was on iTunes that I mentioned yesterday. We didn't talk about it. And I went back and looked, and they wrote it two days after Mercury went retrograde <laughs> from the you-can't-make-this-up department, right? This stuff, I mean, this is how it, astrology, don't argue with me about how astrology doesn't work. That This person probably doesn't believe in it anyway. But uh, they wrote a negative review, which I just think, you know, when if you don't reach out to somebody and say, hey, why don't you do this? Or I've noticed you do that and take it private and then see if there's some kind of change if they listen to your suggestions, because this person had a very interesting point. They felt that I didn't know enough about astrology to be doing a podcast and that everything here was too big picture and not nuanced enough to be helpful. Well, I don't know from what perspective they're coming, or they must have listened to one or two episodes because it, I mean, that's, you know, we do, we do that all the time here. But here's the point, and I wanted to bring this up because I really don't think I've ever mentioned this specifically. But as I follow the markets, I use a program called Janus 5 to do calendars on, of daily aspects all through the day, all the aspects like I can throw all the, literally everything, every aspect. And if you factor in the changes of the very fast changing ascendant, midheaven, and even the moon, that list can be very large if you use all of those. I pull the ascendant and midheaven and some sometimes the nodes I'll use and sometimes not, but it gives you a calendar list of all of the aspects through the day. Now, I learned this technique from a floor trader who used to trade in Chicago when they did that back then. And he's an astrologer and a very good trader and a good astrologer. And what he noticed is that if the S&P 500 futures market was trending in a particular direction and had been for at least six minutes, this is the key, then you hit one of those daily aspects, the market will about 70% of the time reverse direction. This is a specific technique that I'm not trying to communicate here. In fact, that would be violating this guy's proprietary information that he sells. But the point is that the U.S. markets are traded by some of the fastest, biggest, most sophisticated computers in the world. I think they're bigger than the U.S. government computers. Now, there might be some defense computers that are bigger in various places around the world, but I think that these are some of the biggest computers. They are crunching numbers at astronomical speeds and complexity. And astrology will change the direction of their trading with a 7 out of 10 predictability. And I'll tell you, it's absolutely amazing to watch it happen. And sometimes it will be subtle. The changes will not be that big. And were they worth trading? Eh, depends. But they change direction. And I would say that if you took five trading days through the week and you followed this through, you would have at least a 70% effect by Friday afternoon. So the point is, should we be focusing on these little subtle things that could affect us through the day? And how many of them are there on a given day? 
It depends, but at least 25 to 40, I think, would be a good number of these subtle aspects that happen all through the day that could affect something in our life. Or do we step back, and like we've talked about, the bigger, slower-moving planets, so in other words, Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, Neptune, Pluto, do we focus our attention on the big themes that are then triggered by the personal, faster-moving planets? Or do we grind all the way down to those little daily subtleties that could be affecting some little thing in our life? My personal thought is... The closer we look, the more we open ourselves to a margin of error versus the bigger picture. Why was Saturn and Pluto so easy to see that there was something big that was going to happen in January of 2020? Because it's only happened twice in the last 1,000 years. That is, Saturn and Pluto conjoining in the sign of Capricorn. And the other way, I think, just puts us too constrained to a chart and not free-flowing enough in our lives. Do you want to get so bogged down in this aspect or that aspect happening during the day that this thing is driving your whole life? That's not the intention of astrology. It's a map. It's a guidepost. And the bigger picture is the better guide, in my opinion. So if some of you who have not posted in iTunes are willing to put a good comment in there, well, we can just put this one in the rearview mirror. But I thought it did bring up an interesting point and a valid point. And one of the reasons why I don't drill down really past the triggers of the personal planets triggering themes in the slower planets is I don't want to get that close. It's too granular for me. I watch it to trade stocks, sure, because it works. But I think in our own lives, we need to be creating instead of looking that closely at the chart. Yes, scan it through the day, but don't get so close. All right, a couple of things I wanted to mention before we get out of here. We're going to set up the weekend tomorrow, and then I've got some great listener questions that we will answer on Saturday. And I want to also introduce you on Saturday to an artist and an astrologer who has some amazing offerings if you would like to give a really cool astrology gift. I'll tell you about that on Saturday as well. Thank you so much. We're out of here. Have a great day. I'll see you back tomorrow.